Welcome to the Teamwork Advantage podcast with Greg Gregory. Join us as Greg interviews powerful thought leaders and successful team and leadership experts from across the country on teamwork, leadership, and organizational culture. Now let's check in for this week's episode. Welcome to the Teamwork Advantage, a podcast dedicated to the advancement of teamwork, leadership, and culture. I'm Greg Gregory, the host, the founder of the Teamwork Advantage. And we started the pandemic in 2020, and we're narrowing in on our second anniversary of the pandemic, and things have definitely changed around the world. Today, we're going to be speaking with a gentleman who understands how to build and change and how to deal with change. Scott Vaughn and I have known each other off and on for probably about, uh, about a dozen years now when we first met. Uh, when he was working with a company in San Francisco, and I was fortunate to go in and do some training for the company. And over the years, we've communicated back and forth through his startup companies. So Scott's got a background in B2B, business-to-business marketing, and go-to-market as a business leader with a track record, collaboratively building businesses, expanding markets, accelerating growth, and developing impactful teams. That's a key factor. These teams create value. His primary focus is on marketing, sales and customer success, working with startup, high growth, and enterprise types of organizations. As a chief marketing officer, a member of executive leadership teams, Scott's learned how to create scalable companies at startup. Now, that's critical because as we have to be able to expand and grow today, and regardless of what our business is, whether it's a call center, whether it's a help desk, whether it's a sales team, we've got to be able to be able to understand how to scale that up and down. Nurturing and feeding positive culture is a huge part of what Scott's always been about. And so, ladies and gentlemen, on the Teamwork Advantage, welcome to Scott Vaughn. Hey, great. Thanks for having me. Uh, now you're building me up and pumping me up about uh, everything going on right now. It's a really interesting time to be in business and and to be a leader. Uh, yeah. boy, and so, boy, do we need leadership. We need leadership more than ever. And more importantly, I think in leadership, we need people who understand the ability to follow as well. You know, because it's, people think just following is easy and it's not always that easy. It takes the right leader to create the right follower. So let's talk a little bit. Let's get uh, the listeners a little bit of a background on you, where you came from. You're on the, uh, on the West Coast. So tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are today to bring your level of intelligence. Yeah. So like everybody out of college, fumbled into a gig. Um, I was lucky that I fell into the technology world uh, right out of college uh, in the marketing gig. Uh, worked around some great people. I think I was employee 20, a roll-up garage type of situation, uh, very young. And the company skyrocketed and grew to nearly 500 people in about three plus years and, and was acquired. So I thought this was the trajectory of business. This is how it works. Every company grows like this. Um, along the way, I, in, as a marketer, I really learned how important and um, how strong sales teams are. In, and actually, you can market all you want, but in B2B, if the sales team can't deliver. So I moved over into sales for, for eight or 10 years. That's when I was just meeting you at the end of my sales executive leadership run. But I missed the strategy of go to market and everything that marketing can do as a, as a member of a leadership team. So the last 12 years or so, I've acted as uh, in a marketing role, chief marketing officer role, and I've 
pivoted kind of from those enterprise companies and I've done a couple of startups uh, to scale up. Um, uh, mm -hmm. Last one, Integrate, just uh, was acquired in December. So uh, just a few, just a month ago or so. So that's been my trajectory. And um, along the way, I learned a lot about business, <laughs> people, uh, leadership, uh, and, and how to build teams and culture, uh, mostly by accident. And then meeting people like you and working around and trying to get some injected thinking into it. And it's something I've always appreciated and know vividly how important it is. Yeah. It's so interesting because what we or who we know sometimes gets us in the door and then it's how well we do and how we grow and learn and our personal adaptability that gets us, you know, where we get to today. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And if you take it from even a marketing perspective, about 10 years ago, we had, you know, marketing didn't use technology. We were the trade show and the logo people, right? There wasn't a lot of tech and data involved. So that's how I got into marketing technology. And I've always been in the broader uh, information technology world. But what happened was when, when tech came in, you looked around the room, right? There was nobody who knew how do I run marketing automation and who knows Salesforce and customer relationship management? Everybody looked around and typically it was somebody who had the aptitude and attitude versus the skill set that was established because this was all new. So that is your point of being able to see opportunity and to capitalize an opportunity when there is a shift or a change that happens. And so we developed a whole generation of now what's called marketing operations or revenue operations or sales operations professionals. Today, it's a very lucrative, important career that didn't exist 10, 12 years ago. And it's fascinating because it's almost like a marriage that was brought together. And that's, that's key. So as we start to look at it, because you said it wasn't around you know, 8, 10, 12 years ago. So today, where should leaders, where can they focus? Because sometimes it's a little challenging because there's some things they can't control. But where should they be focused on now? And then let's, how do we get into it? I mean, the, the pandemic has changed everything. Most of us thought it would be around for a few months. It's been around now pushing two years. Where should leaders be focused on today? Because we're going to get into the great resignation and all of that. But where should leaders be focused on today? Well, I think there, there, there is opportunity where there is turmoil and, and change, and et cetera. So I think the three things I look at is, you know, what, what you, you have to play a little chess here as well as checkers. Um, and what are the big drivers of the markets that you serve? Um, you can get so immersed in today and you have to, right? You have to deal with right, what's right in front of you. Uh, but our old common friend, Greg, Tony Uphoff, used to say, there's a telescope where you have to look out. There's a windshield with what's in front of you. And then you have to know when to use the microscope, when to really drill into the details. For me today, I think we need to oversteer a bit on the telescope um, because out of the, what's happened with COVID and pandemic and the resulting lockdown, so many things have changed would be an understatement, but habits, expectations, the way people buy things, especially in business to business. Uh, let me give an example. Business to business teams used to get together in a conference room and look at the project and look at all the vendors. Today, they're all on a Zoom call like this or a WebEx. 
and they are having to collaborate in ways that are foreign. They don't say a salesperson doesn't call up and say, hey, I'm going to be in Annapolis in a few weeks. Can we meet? <laughs> that doesn't happen anymore. So digital and the way people have to consume and sort through and digest information, for example, in the buying process is completely different. So if I'm a leader um, and as a leader, I think about what are those shifts and changes that are happening? What does it mean for my company, yes, and the way we have to do business and go to market and set up our workflow and support and all of that. But what does that mean for the opportunity or even the threats, if you're looking at the other way, for the markets I serve, the products I offer, the services? So I think right now we need a very, very strong focus on that telescope, um, especially as executive leaders to, to help navigate through this. Yes, you, we need operational and to uh, keep things moving and to keep the, the focus and the spirit on. I, I know that, but I think now is the time to play the card of change um, because there's so much change happening. Now, you, we talked a little bit offline before this, and you were talking about you're starting to get involved in a lot of the change aspects of it. So do you want to, can you go a little deeper on that? Sure. Well, change management has always been a, a part. Um, I've screwed many of the change management up along the way as a, as a leader, uh, trying to come in and bring in a new system or bring in a new way of do business or you do an acquisition and you hurry. So you don't factor in the human factor of change. Uh, human beings don't like change. Um, they don't, you know, who moved my cheese? If you go back, I think you played around with that a little bit. Oh, yeah. In your practices over the years but we don't like change. And, and so one of the key factors of success, I think McKinsey said three quarters of the strategic initiatives at companies fail, not because the idea was wrong or if it's technology, it's none of that. It's uh, the leadership failed to recognize the change impact on people in the company. And, and so to me at the time where uh, the world's gone digital, so we have to reorient how we go to market, how we serve customers, how they buy. You need to really factor that in. So change management becomes um, a critical piece of every initiative. And, and underneath that becomes communications, setting expectations, helping people come along with the change. You know, give them a pic, paint them a picture of what the world will look like and you know, what it's like today, the old infomercial strategy and those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. But to me, change management is um, we're going to live on this, you know, you can call it a hamster wheel if you're, you're a pessimist or you can call it a rocket ship if you're an optimist. But the pace of change is not going to slow down. Nope. The change uh, of the pace of technology is not going to slow down. But with change management, you can put context on it. You could give people a place to land. You can give context and make them um, more comfortable and teach them how to embrace change. That's all part to me of leadership in this okay. next chapter. So that brings me to the question. And I've said this for, I don't know, several months now. The challenges that leaders are facing today really aren't that different since the pandemic. They're just massively amplified because of the pandemic. Is that kind of in line with that? Because the well, way we have to do it? Yes, I think the factors are, are 
they're accelerated because there's yeah. so many unknowns. Mm -hmm. And when you feel like you don't have control, no matter what, this is not a political statement, but the government is very involved in this and everybody's trying to figure it out and you don't have control. So you're not going to get complete control and getting people more comfortable with that idea where you can give them those landing spots and you can, you can feed everybody, not do the team all the same. Some personalities are going to say um, that what I described when a time of change, sometimes people see it as opportunity to learn new things, find those people, seek them out, empower them and let them help you be advocates and, and, and change drivers. Other people are really talented, but they're not comfortable with it. So as leaders, you have to kind of recognize that and build into your change management system and your communications and part of your program, um, something that's going to accommodate those people. And then the last thing is not everybody's going to be able to be on the bus sometimes when there's change. And you have to acknowledge that. You have to mm -hmm. acknowledge not everybody, you can't please everybody. Everybody's not going to come with you. Um, you know, you don't take it personally that it just may not be right for both parties. And you're not going to, you know, we know this, I know this is probably captain obvious moment of, of, the, of the conversation, but a, a, as a leader, you really have to take care of the whole tribe um, yeah. and moving it forward. Right. And, you know, use the bus analogy, Jim Collins in his book, good to great focused on that greatly. Um, you know, getting the right people on the bus and just because they're not right for your bus does not mean they're a bad person. Oh my gosh. No, they're, it they're, just means they're not right for your bus. They're maybe perfect for somebody else's bus. Let's face it. The NFL and major league baseball do that all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, that's a proverbial bus, but yes, uh, you're, you're absolutely right. That uh, That's what's so great today. If you, uh, you talked about, um, you know, up and coming leaders and you talked about people that work in companies, you, if you, if, you step back, you actually have so many more options today uh, because companies need talent. And if you are talented and um, you are a contributor and you know how to impact the business, there's different work models that you can do. You will find companies that accept those things. Not everybody is, we're gonna be in the office, we work this way. Um, and so that's the exciting part uh, about this next I'll call it generation or next cycle of businesses that mm -hmm. we're going to have all kinds of models at work here. So that's changing culture a little bit. So talk to us a little bit about culture. Um, what's different. And I, I love the phrase here. What's different today about culture today could go back five years and go back, you know, five months. It can go back five weeks and things are changing at a rapid pace. What are you noticing in culture that has been changing over the last well, 18 months or so. Well, I, I think, you know, one thing that is pretty clear is uh, when a culture is healthy, they're acknowledging things quickly. Um, there's high communications. There is, and I know culture is what it is. I'm talking about the positive that are helping people move mm -hmm. along. You're seeing a generation um, on Friday, I listened to uh, how uh, millennials are now the power buyers in B2B and how much that's changed. They expect you, for example, culture, they expect sustainability and thinking about the plan. They don't want to pick up the phone necessarily and have long conversations. <clears throat> so this changes 
how you work, how you do business, but it also changes the culture of setting an expectation in an environment where um, maybe different reward systems are in place, uh, different ways that you work and how teams collaborate. And that affects the culture of, of what you develop. So if I, if as a leader, and if I'm looking at this, I'm constantly trying to pulse what's needed and what can I care and feed and nurture in the culture? Because you can't control it, but you certainly can feed it, has, has been my experience. Um, and really try to do the right things to keep the right people on the bus, keep the right strategy, keep the right direction. Um, so culture is what supports it. That's how I view it. I don't know if it's changed though, Greg. I honestly don't. I, I think culture is always there. Mm -hmm. It's always a, a, a bit of a mythical creature. It's mm -hmm. sometimes hard to put your pulse or finger on all the yep. time. Um, but that I think comes with authenticity, consistency to, and, and to be paying attention and listening to it, not just as the CEO, but all leaders yeah. listening and, and, and really being able to bring forth that conversation where people are going to be open to it. And culture may not have changed, but maybe how we develop the culture, how we nurture the culture is what's changing. That may be part of it there. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, top-down leadership to me really, except in certain instances, rarely works. Certain industries, it has to work that way, the military, for example. Mm -hmm. But in most um, organizations, that's never worked, uh, or it worked for a period of time. And then as soon as the company's not growing or not the best or whatever, then that, you know, most of the time it collapses. Yeah. yeah. So I think to me, culture is just something that has become more and more, it's always been critical, but somehow I think because of the change and the way people work and what their expectations are all the way down to customers of a company, expectations have changed. Culture becomes, you have to stand for something now. You can't yeah. take a, you know, Ways out fair. Well, we'll go with it. We'll we'll see how it goes. Or we don't talk about X or Y. For the most part, you have to have points of view and a clear stand, and you have to authentically um, act on them. Or at least you can't just say one thing and do another. People call that uh, BS out right away. Yeah. Uh, both yeah. customers and employees. And, and that hypocrisy is ever harder. so present. Yes, and we all. We all can picture what happens when a company doesn't get that right uh, or leadership uh, yeah. or leaders specifically don't get that right or they fumble it. Let's touch a little bit about, I guess right now, many people are calling it the third rail, and that is the great resignation. And you used a term when we were offline calling it the great reshuffle. Um, people are leaving. My question is, where are they going? Well, that's why it's a reshuffle. Um, it started as a resignation because uh, a, a few things. One is my maybe my job went away. If you're in hospitality or the airline industry, you know you've been reduced, or you you work as you know in the food business that wasn't available for a while, and it, you step back and take stock. And other industries were flourishing; they needed people, so you had a resignation that way. Um, then, then we get a year into this thing or nine months and I can't sit at home anymore and do the same thing. And, and so then you had a resignation there. And then the third factor into this is the resignation of 
and I'm just burnt out. I need to do something else. And so you put all this together. That's the great resignation. But what I saw it as is because I do a lot of conversation to understand and mentor, people just want to know what's next. What else can I be doing? My life, you, you just feel from the pandemic and the lockdown and the stress and anxiety that there's got to be more here. I can do something different. So one is the grass is always greener and I just need a new view of life. Right. So that's a reshuffle. Um, that's always. Yeah. I think, I think I relate to that one. Yeah. Two industries are flourishing and they're taking people in and actually I'll say training and taking the attitude first and then aptitude and, you know, uh, second. And so you're bringing people into new industries that really need help. Um, so that happens. And then there's work lifestyle. Uh, like myself, I stepped off uh, in the summer and the company sold. And so I'm taking some time and I'm putting all my energy into strategic advising and consulting and working with, as you do, a variety of industries and companies mm -hmm. to not just to, oh, I'm going to take it easy. I'm working just as hard, but I'm working differently. And I'm exercising my learning muscles uh, because uh, I can explore multiple industries and verticals and leadership teams and not lock in for what I've done five to seven years at a time. So yeah. that's the reshuffle too. Uh, and hopefully I'm just as valuable to companies or people like me who can come in. Maybe you have a skill, you're a sharpshooter, you really understand analytics. And so you can now work with four or five companies to bring your skills versus one. Right. And that, that's really key, right? One of, one of my clients is a smaller uh, chain of restaurants. And their challenge, of course, was getting the back help. And because they didn't have the ability, their margins were so thin that people were working long hours. And people yeah. have said, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to leave at midnight and come back in at nine in the morning. Yeah. You know, that type of thing. So they, they, the restaurants are struggling. The people are struggling. So people are finding, they're actually looking for things. Have you seen any data that says uh, there's more and more startups of what would normally be called a side hustle that have actually become more of a full-time hustle now? Have you seen any analytics to that? Uh, not analytics in, in the pure sense, but um, in the center of my world for many years has been Silicon Valley. And so Silicon Valley was, you know, Mecca that you went to, and I say that respectfully in the business and tech world. Mm -hmm. But now you have Silicon Valley's Silicon Slopes in Utah. You have Indianapolis and Indiana, that whole area. You have the Prairie, right? You have Austin. You have all of these places where there's been revolutions of new companies. And a lot of them aren't just tech companies, but they're tech-centric. They involve data and apps. And so, yes, you're seeing people work in those environments uh, very different than the dot-com, which was, we have an idea, we hope it's going to work. There's so much more foundation and there's ways to generate revenue much quicker in many of these companies and businesses. So I think it, it is more than a side hustle. You can join or start <clears throat> and it's more that mindset. And I think that in the end, that's going to be very, very, very good uh, for business. But let's take your restaurant friends, if I could. Okay. I'm observing this. Now, this is not as anything other than uh, an active uh, purveyor of restaurants. The hours, restaurants are closing at 9, 9.30. They're doing two seatings, not three or four. Mm -hmm. And so they're adjusting their business model. 
Now, will that be sustainable? Can they still make the kind of money that they need to make? But they're trying to do, um, this is where leadership comes in. I know a small business is harder, but you have to kind of reinvent what the business is and how you deliver the services and, and all of those things. So I think we're seeing a lot of what I hope will be entrepreneurship um, and creativity that we've already seen it, but that turns into a positive uh, if we can get to the other side of the pandemic. And, and I don't mean getting back to normal. I mean, just a different type of life that, yeah. that many people have reacted to and changed up what they do. And the last thing, Greg, I have to say, look at all the houses that are being built. They're all being built with home offices and space and yeah. or remodeled. Um, if, if you're a contractor and you're not busy, something's very, very wrong because one, oh. people weren't spending their money, right? So you're seeing this. So that's just what I mean by looking at the trends and the changes. Um, yeah. I was talking to a realtor in Florida not long ago. And they say that if you go under contract with a builder today, it's going to be between 18 and 24 months before your home is finished. Yeah. You know, because I'm not they're, surprised. They're that backlog. And it's not the uh, supply chain that's causing the challenges now. It is a lack of uh, trades workers in many cases and trying to get the teams and build the teams to be able to keep, stay up with the uh, increasing demand. So there's an opportunity uh, to your point about. Mm -hmm. You know, you're also seeing not everybody wants to go to a four-year college and grind through. They may start out and I'm really good at being a craftsperson and I'm going to go out and I'm going to really master this and have my own business. And yep. so the, the ramifications of where we are today and what leadership is and culture and teamwork are still fundamental, but the tools and the environment has changed so much in my view. Um, and I think it's exciting. Um, I think if you're listening and you're an entrepreneur, um, it's can't do it the old way. The old way isn't going to work. Um, you know, butts in seats, we're going to work eight to five, you know, in the corporate world, we're going to, you know, I know this is obvious, but you have to adapt to an environment to entice talent to, to get the best work and the most rewarding experiences out of employees for sure. So let's talk about what, what can you do now? To, we talked about attracting them and bringing them. That's great. What can you do? What can a leader do within his or her team? Not necessarily from the corporate level, but what can they do within their team to retain their good people? What should they be doing today that maybe they didn't have to do five years ago or two years ago? Yeah, I, I think, uh, besides listening and paying attention regularly and doing check-ins, check-ins are important um, just to kind of get their mindset, et cetera. Communications, always important. Where are we? What are we doing? Sense of context. Good leaders always do that. I think the difference is investing in, in, in them as professionals. So there's a training, which is kind of the old school, let me train you on the specific skill set. But I think mentoring and coaching and Putting those resources, whether it's you as a leader or having someone um, available, maybe on retainer that can come in and be a third party and listen and help that person navigate work stuff that maybe work and life stuff that are helpful. And I'm not talking just a therapist because those are serious things where you need professionals, yeah. but help them dice, give them a sense of concept, context. Um, 
and, and decipher. So I think our role as leaders, I've always felt this way as you know, I think mentoring is one of my greatest satisfactions in listening, but that is a part of it. But the second part is being honest. Maybe they're not right for this company at this time. As hard as it is to find people, mm-hmm. there's some people that maybe say, you know what, you should be, you know, maybe it is better if you tried this group over here, department within our organization, or um, that may be something different. And then the last thing is, uh, I think, taking chances more and giving people more op- or new opportunity. Their resume may not say that, but I think it's one of the greatest failings uh, of leadership right now. Uh, I, in, 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 in the world I work in um, that's heavily influenced by tech, they'll say, well, I want somebody who's seen the movie before and has done X, Y, and Z. And I look at them, I go, there's, there's five people in the world that know that. Um, you, and they're so influenced by that, rather, let's get quality, talented people. Let's have the culture that attracts people who want to learn, who want to grow, who, you know, change the culture, change the environment, get the market strategy. So there is opportunity for people as best you can. I know that's not always the case, but those are things leaders can do. Mm -hmm. And then once you're there, as your point, as you point out, then you can make sure the culture supports mentoring, listening, providing opportunity. Um, and even if it growth isn't because the company may not be in a market that's in a position that's growing 50 or hundred percent, but maybe it's growing 10%, but you can put that person in other roles and um, help them look at the, the bigger picture. And that to me is beyond career counseling. That's beyond, uh, that's really focused on uh, their development, their happiness and their contribution to the business. Yeah. And then again, their contribution, their ability and willingness to want to learn. There are some people who I'm not, I'm too old to learn this or something else. And that's just not true. I mean, there's, there's a lot of people who won't go out and learn and that's, that's the challenge. So it is a challenge. It's real. Um, but on the opposite side, that's our job is to find resources to go look for people who maybe are, who are a willing uncom- to learn uncomfortable, but you give them an environment to say, Hey, tell stories about it. We have a, you know, a group of workforce that, and I wouldn't use these words, but just for descriptive, you know, you have baby boomers who come in to work with us who are now were this and now that tell the story about that, make that part of your, your, your recruitment and your leadership and, and embrace that. Cause I think that's pretty cool that, um, that way you could attract a whole new pool of talent that maybe no one's tapping into, um, you know, and maybe it is yeah. part-time or three-quarter time work that, that has that experience. Yeah. As we get ready to wrap up, I've got one question I kind of want to address. You brought something up a moment ago when we were talking about employees and, you know, leaders having to do check-ins, regular check-ins. Now you've also got a big background on the tech side. Yeah. Um, how can we marry this? I've heard some people tell me they uh, do a Calendly setup so their employees can just block out 10 minutes on their calendar here and there if the employee wants to come and check in. What are you seeing? What are you hearing in your world that works for some of this high-tech check-ins? Well, I don't know if it has to be high-tech. I think it has to be purposeful. So if tech helps you mm-hmm. uh, trigger or I'll say automate, not the conversation, but automate your process. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, 
for examples, maybe Friday afternoon, you're going to have office hours. You're going to see who, who uh, checks in, who wants office hours. Then you're going to look at the, the people who don't want office hours. So the check-in there is, uh, would it be helpful? Or proactively go sit down and in some cases, you'll be able to grab a cup of coffee and others it's not right or appropriate at this time. So you may have to do a virtual, but I think tech is, is just allows you to maybe more organize yourself and keep track of it um, than has to be the answer. The other part of it, there are, don't laugh, Greg, but there are apps and things that can maybe you can suggest outside of work, uh, meditation, calming, things that maybe help that person as a mentor versus telling them, and it's a company mandate, but in a conversation, yeah. being authentic and sharing that, hey, yeah. it's okay that your world's rocking right now. You've got three kids that, you know, who are in and out of school with all different schedules and let's work together and mm -hmm. figure out what's right. And, and, and that has to be built through trust. And it's maybe a little uncomfortable at first because not everybody is at the same communications level. Right. Last thing is maybe it's not you as the leader, but somebody else on your team, you think would really connect with that person. So you put them together as, as, as mates, so to speak, to, to help each other. Mm -hmm. Those kinds of things are nuances, but to me, it, it that's what it takes today um, to keep everybody moving forward. Because you got to keep moving and looking to see what clicks with your peeps. Yeah, well said. It's 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 crazy. It's the pace is uneven. Uh, I don't see that slowing down anytime soon. You have a pullback in markets. It's even going to be you know it's just a different level of change that you have to deal with. It's fascinating to hear it from uh, from a startup's uh, mindset because your mindset is different from somebody who may have been in a business for at a company for twenty some years, and it's yeah. really it's really refreshing to hear different approaches on that. In closing, uh, how can people if they're looking for anything, what would you recommend? Either a book or anything at all right now that you might recommend for a leader to pick up and follow. And you mentioned earlier, "Who Moved My Cheese?" Yeah, you know. I love that book because in the early days when it came out, people said 9-11 forced us to move our cheese. Yeah. Well, I well, think the pandemic has had that cheese moved again. When I did your time. session, you brought it back into my world. Um, <laughs> and I say it with, with you know, tongue in cheek now because it's uncomfortable. It yeah. does. It's so simple that it hits on human nature and how to deal with change. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's any books and I'm honestly a little jaded on the another business book, not that they can't give you ideas. Um, here's something that maybe is non-traditional. I try to find outlets and inspiration from outside of business, um, reading fiction, um, going and seeing something uh, that is maybe a new type of setup that are pop-ups, for example. If you're a corporate established business, go watch how a pop-up gets built and how the logistics and the business look for inspiration outside, even mm -hmm. as an employee, look for inspiration outside. And then the last thing is, um, you know, LinkedIn, you can monitor, they do really good on what's hot, like what are the up and coming jobs and roles so that you're constantly looking for things that you can marry with. And that's, you know, and, uh, and then the last is obvious, I think today, 
we can look for podcasts like yours and other areas of inspiration to give context to things. Yeah. I probably am up to five or six podcasts I'm following uh, on, on a monthly basis just to keep my uh, sanity, but also to keep in check what I'm hearing and what are those trends and drivers. You, you can see I, I, I lean towards ex the trends and drivers and try to really aim my effort at the things that create opportunity for everybody. That, that's just in my nature. So I know that's not everybody's gig. Well, you're in the South, um, you know, Southern California area, so we can use a surfing uh, analogy here. Oh, boy. You want to catch the big part of the wave, baby. <laughs> that's right. And sometimes I, I, I hit a reef when I try to go for that wave. So it doesn't always work. You know, there's, there's you know, risk to it, but you're out there and, and you are. The analogy is actually really good. The, um, I'm trying to remember uh, who said the quote said, you know, show me someone who's never failed. I'll show you someone who's never tried, yeah. you know? And so yeah, it, we're going it, to, it, there's going to be failures. It's what can we learn from our failures, both in leadership, followership, customer service, culture, everything. And now's the time. I mean, companies are going to be more forgiving and there's so much change. You kind of have to do it. So it, it, I know it's uncomfortable for many of us. I know I get uncomfortable with change. You know, things are going so well. Why am I going to change? But if there's anything that, that age and enough variety of gigs and leadership and companies and industries is when you embrace the change, you're typically the one who can benefit from that the most because yeah. you see things others can't and you typically get to ride that, um, you know, get the advantages of, of being involved in it. Absolutely. Embrace the change. I think, I think that's just a powerful way for us to kind of close down today is when we can embrace our change and be able to work with it, I think we all have a chance to grow. And uh, John Kennedy's quote was, of course, a rising tide raises all ships. Yeah. So if we can work on that, that's going to be the strength of it. Scott, I want to thank you very much for joining us on the Teamwork Advantage. It's been a privilege to reconnect and join with you here and um, look forward to seeing what's on your horizon, your adventures coming up and uh, be able to get together again soon in person one day. Well, if you make your way out here, I'd love that. And thanks for all you do and, and your relentless spirit around these topics uh, that are so important to, to us as, as leaders, as humans, and, and certainly, I hate to say it, but as business people, it's so important, the things yeah. you tackle. Thanks. I really, really appreciate that. Folks, you know, once a week with the Teamwork Advantage, skills are shared. And ideas that you can act on immediately, such as what Scott talked about today and being able to look through the telescope, look through the windshield, or look through the microscope. Next week, remember, having a good day is just being average. When you listen to the Teamwork Advantage, we know that you're not average. So go make today an excellent and exceptional day. Take care. Bye-bye. This has been the Teamwork Advantage with Greg Gregory. To learn more about how Greg can help your organization develop a powerful winning culture, visit teamsrock.com. That's T-E-A-M-S-R-O-C-K.com. Be sure to join Greg next week when he interviews another exciting and powerful thought leader on the Teamwork Advantage. Until then, as Greg says, make sure you have a great week because a good week is just being average.